I'm Alex Mito. And I'm James Milley. And this is The Artist Business Plan, your favorite weekly business podcast for artist entrepreneurs, hosted by Superfine Art Fair. What's going on, business artists? You are listening to The Artist Business Plan, which means that you are certifiably awesome. If you don't know me by now, my name is Alex Mito. I'm the CEO and co-founder of Superfine Art Fair. We're the most widespread art fair for artists in the United States, and we're also one of the top resources for all things art, artists, and of course, marketing of your art. Today, we've got Christine Olmsted here with us on the mic. Christine is going to share an awesome masterclass with you today on how to create a sustainable art-making practice. I don't know about you, but I am excited to hear what a sustainable art making practice is. But first, I've got an amazing offer here just for you, ABP listeners. Artists, have you ever felt anxious, alone, and not sure about the next move for your career? Good news, those days are over. For nearly six years, we've taken thousands of hours to develop the best art fair model for artists out there. Superfine art fairs have helped hundreds of artists just like you take control of their careers, build relationships with collectors, and create the art income and freedom that you deserve. For a limited time, we are offering you the chance to not only get a great discount on your booth, but also appear on this very podcast as a special guest reaching thousands of artists, art influencers, collectors, and arts professionals every day. To find out how you can take advantage of this incredible opportunity, just visit www.superfine.world offer to learn more. We can't wait to welcome you to the Superfine community and start helping you sell more art today. All right, so we are back here with Christine Olmsted and we're ready to change the way that you think about your art career. Christina Olmsted is an abstract artist whose work has exploded since re- releasing her first collection in 2015. Her pieces are what she calls internal landscapes. Her works are conceptual, abstract, and mixed media. Olmsted focuses on movement, light, color, and sound to convey story and internal moods and energy. It is through a deeply meditative practice combined with music that she exercises her synesthesia and painting practice. Christine resides and paints in Northern Virginia and ships her works worldwide. Welcome to the Artist Business Plan, Christine. Hi, thanks for having me, Alex. I'm so excited to be here. Uh, It's such a pleasure. So before we dive into it, I want to ask you something that we ask all of our guests to help our listeners get to know the real you. What is the earliest memory you have of art? I thought about this because I've listened to the other episodes and I was scratching my brain because it's been so ingrained in my whole life. My mom um, studied art history and was a professional graphic designer. And so growing up, it was always present. But I think my my very first memory was my mom loved the Impressionists. Those were her, that was her favorite period. Some of her favorite artists were Impressionists. And I was about two, two and a half years old, two years old. And she was explaining to me the technique of about light and color. And she was particularly talking about Monet. And I obviously didn't gap, capture all of it. But what I really remember was I, I remember what she was saying about how light affects what we're seeing. And I remember her talking about the haystacks. And so I got this brilliant idea as a two-year-old to make an entire series, like literally probably several hundred tulips. And they were all impressionistic tulips. (laughs) But it was based on what my mom was talking about with trying to understand light and form and how light affects form. And so I made 
probably hundreds of these tulips and the methodology was the same on almost all of them. It was um, one black stripe and one green stripe. The, the color of green changed. Sometimes it was yellow. And then the bulb of the tulip was like a, a red stripe with a white stripe over or a pink with a red over. I was just, you know, doing tons of these. And that was like my first memory of, oh, this is art. This is what my mom's always talking about. Um, and so I made this this little series. And my mom still has one of those pieces framed. I think the rest were trashed. But that was my first memory of like, oh, this is art. This is something that people do. I can do that too. And it meant a lot to me that my mom framed one of those tulips and that she still has it because, you know, it's my first memory of creating, I think. So yeah, I, I think I think that's my first memory. <laughs> do you ever go back to your mom's house and see that framed tulip painting? Yeah, it's in her bathroom. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> so I see it from time to time and it's it's funny and it makes me smile. You know, I remember that moment. I remember her talking about trying to help me understand light and form um, based on the Impressionists. And so, yeah, I still see that painting from time to time. <laughs> That's so cool. I love it. And just kind of like going back to these you know experiences we have with our parents, and our families when we're really young they're so formative and they really help us understand art and like how we relate to it. So I'm, I'm glad you shared that story with us. So Christine, you built a painting practice for most of your life. So how can a really dedicated studio practice improve an artist's business? You know, I've been painting, you know, at least several days a week since I was a child. And at that age, it was mostly exploration and play. And I was being tutored and it was just a source of pleasure and an escape and I loved it. And as I was going through college and thinking about potentially going to law school or medical school at one point, you know, in the thick of it, um, it was still that source of pleasure and peace. And then when I decided that I didn't want to do any of those other things, I still had that rigorous practice to fall back on of, you know, this is my place. These are the things that I do. And as it's morphed into a career, I think that there's a, at least for me, trying to find what is most serving to the lifestyle and the practice that I'm trying to really curate. Because I think all of us are, we're trying to curate our own lives. We're, <laughs> we're trying to um, pull together our dreams and trying to achieve and attain our dream life. As it comes to a sustainable studio practice, I think it has to be fed by your values. You have to, you know, sit down and ask yourself, what do I want my day-to-day -to, -day to look like? How much time can I reasonably dedicate to creation? How much time do I need to dedicate to business? How much time do I need to dedicate to um, self-care and other things? So I think, I think all of those are questions and certain times of life demand um, different scheduling and sacrifices in some area or another. But if you want to be an artist or if you are an artist and struggling with the balances of those things, I think sitting down and writing it out and making sure your values are in alignment with how you're spending your time. And that can be a really hard thing. That can be a thing of discipline. And if you're seeing how you're spending your time, you may realize, oh, gosh, I spend 10 hours a week watching TV. Those are hours I could be in practice or those are hours I could be spending doing something else, you know, budgeting time, figuring out what your values are and then and trying to create a studio practice that is sustainable for you, but also enriching 
and keeping you excited and creative about working. So that's what I would say. And that's the studio practice, at least I've tried to build is one that is sustainable and feeds uh, my goals. And that's different for everyone. Obviously, everyone has different goals. Everyone has different dreams. Uh, Everyone has different amounts of time. Some of us are parents and some of us are caretakers and so many different things that calculate into that. But sitting down and and doing the math, I would say, I think is important to building a a rigorous practice and a practice that you love and is sustainable. I love that. And I think just the idea of like continuing to be inspired by the practice that you do in your studio and, you know, having a sustainable practice that kind of like feeds your creativity and then vice versa, I think is so important for artists out there. So I want to move on a little bit, Christine, to something that, you know, I have here in my notes about your synesthesia. So synesthesia impacts the way that you paint. And for our listeners out there who don't know, could you tell them about what synesthesia is and then kind of give a summary of what that experience is like for you and how it affects your art? Yeah, so synesthesia is, I think it's technically called a neurological condition. I think of it as a superpower. Um, There are lots of different kinds of it. One of the kinds that I have is called chromesthesia. So what happens is when I hear music or sound, I see it literally as, as color and light. And depending on the music or what I'm hearing, it, it looks different. It's different colored. It um, moves differently. It has different patterns to it. And so it's sort of like another layer of reality-ish, if you will, on the top of the things that I'm seeing. That's what my type of synesthesia is. There are lots of different kinds. I think the best way to kind of illustrate it is if you've ever seen the movie Ratatouille, Remy the rat, he's the chef. He has a form of synesthesia, which is taste to visuals. So when he tastes delicious food, he sees it. And the animator, one of the lead animators on that film had synesthesia. So he gave that quality to Remy, which I think is really adorable. But there's a scene in that movie. And if you Google Remy synesthesia, you can kind of see what it looks like in cartoon version. I also just released a series called Synesthetic Bodies, which was my attempt to try to show people what it looks like. For me, it's fast paced and moving color. But I tried to take snapshots of the music and transform it into tapestries. But that's a little bit of what that type of synesthesia is for me. Um, But there are so many different kinds. There are a lot of great books and research. If you're interested in the topic, I would check out books by Dr. Richard Saitoic. He's an incredible resource and one of the foremost researchers in the world on the topic. But yeah, it's just like a fun extra layer of reality that adds a bit of depth and a bit of play. And it's an experience that I thought everybody was living with until I realized it wasn't. So um, I think the more that we can learn about each other as human beings, the richer we all are. So I'm just sharing a little slice of my reality. I love that. And I love kind of on a broader scale, like taking this defining trait that's really helped the way that you see the world and bringing that into the work that you create. Also, for anyone who didn't know what synesthesia is, now you have all these great things to Google and that you can connect with this movie Ratatouille that so many of us have seen as well as an example of synesthesia. I think it's super neat. I think that, you know, for anyone listening who maybe doesn't, you know, have synesthesia per se, or maybe they do, whatever it is that maybe defines you and that you, that you, that is part of your life and your experience is something you can bring into your work. And I think that's a really cool thing. 
Yeah, it's fun. A lot of people have come out of the woodwork like, oh my gosh, I thought everybody experienced that. <laughs> and it's kind of fun to hear other people's stories as they see my work and realize it's not a normal or you know common part of the human experience. Um, it's kind of fun. Yeah, I love it. So your artworks are meant to act as icons or like reminders to slow down, seek light and practice peacefulness, which is beautiful. So what are a few ways that you recommend artists slow down and seek light so that they can fully embrace their creative energy? I mean, I think that goes back to what you're trying to bring into the world. Um, What's the purpose of the art that you make? What message are you trying to leave people? How are you trying to make them feel with your art? And for me, I want those things to be things of beauty, things of positivity, moments of serenity. Maybe those are not values that other artists share. Everyone has different values and wants to live in different states. But as it pertains to my personal life and personal painting practice, um, those are things that I'm constantly seeking. I'm constantly seeking peace. I'm constantly trying to slow down. Instead of rushing around, I'm constantly trying to notice the details, soak in the richness of reality. And that just takes exercise, mental exercise, and and even physical exercise. So some of the things that I do to do those things is I'm an avid runner. I love to run. I feel so calm when I'm running on a jog. I try to have work hours. (laughs) That one's a harder one. I'm a little bit of a workaholic. I really enjoy my work too, so it doesn't feel like I'm working. But I also try to mix in moments of pleasure where I may sit on my back porch with a glass of wine and just breathe in the freshly cut grass smell. Choosing rest and choosing moments of just enjoying the texture of reality. What does the air smell like? What does the grass feel like? What, you know, just trying to soak in some of those moments, I think helps me realize wow, what a wonderful life. I have so much to be thankful for. There's so much richness around me. There's so much uh, light that I can pull from. And those are free things. Those are things that anyone can tap into. You can sit outside for five minutes and just breathe. You can go for a walk. You can choose those things and you can choose those moments. And I think that those are really important to get us to stop and try to reincorporate moments of beauty, moments of thankfulness into our life. But also for me, um, I want to incorporate those into my work. And a common point of feedback I do get on my work is people say, wow, it's so peaceful. It's so calm. It's so, you know, those are adjectives that people use a lot. And that is such a blessing to hear because that is my goal. And I want like a religious icon when somebody passes my work and to think, wow, how calm. Let me tap into that. Let me take that moment. Let me take a deep breath. Um, And it doesn't have to be a lot. It can just be literally pausing for one second, taking a deep breath, noticing something beautiful around you. Maybe it's the painting. Maybe it's the light reflecting on the wall, um, whatever it is. And just taking that moment and soaking in it and, and practicing some thankfulness right there. Um, And that's, you know, how I describe my works as iconography is, I want people, I want to change people's actions by them living with or seeing my work. So as artists, if those are your values, if those are moments that you seek, uh, we have to practice them too um, in order to infuse them into our work in different ways. So 
soaking in reality, soaking in texture, practicing thankfulness for the light, for the fresh air, for whatever it is that surrounds you, no matter where you are. And I, that's all I hope to get people to do. No, that answers the question perfectly. So guys, soaking in reality and just appreciating what's around you is so critical to embracing your creative energy. And we're going to come right back and Christine is going to tell you more of what you want to know about getting over artist block and much more. But first, a message from our sponsors. New York City, San Francisco, Los Angeles, and yes, Miami. These are just a few of the places where you and your art can meet your next collector when you take the next step and exhibit with us at Superfine Art Fairs. For nearly six years, we've taken thousands of hours to develop the best art fair model for artists out there. Superfine Fairs have helped hundreds of artists just like you take control of their careers, build relationships with collectors, and create the art income and freedom that you deserve. For a limited time, we're offering you the chance to not only get a great discount on your booth, but also appear on this very podcast as a special guest, reaching thousands of artists, art influencers, collectors, and arts professionals every day. To find out how you can take advantage of this incredible opportunity, just visit www.superfine.world offer to learn more. Don't miss the chance to be a part of the top business artist community in the world. So we are back here with Christine Olmsted. So Christine, what are a few ways artists out there can get over the dreaded art block? Like you just can't create. What are a couple of ways that we can get over that? Yeah, there are a couple things that can contribute to art block, at least in my experience. I'm sure everyone has different experiences, but the two things that most commonly in my experience that contributes to art block are either you have an overabundance of ideas, you've got too many things that you want to create, too many experiments you want to try, too many techniques or subjects that you're just itching to dive into and you don't know where to start and you have idea overwhelm. That's one kind. And then the other kind is you have no ideas. You feel like you've tried everything. You don't feel like there's anything that you can say that's interesting. You feel just blocked in the other way. So if you have the first kind, the overabundance of ideas, I can't recommend anything more than writing it out. Get a journal, get a notepad, write out all of the ideas, all of the variations on your ideas, get them out of your head and onto the paper. And that alone will relieve up space. But also once they're on paper, I think it's so much easier to evaluate which ones are most important to you. And you can sort of start to weigh, which one do I want to do first? Because you're going to want to try them all. You're itching to create. And once they're out of your head and on the paper, you can see more clearly which ones maybe have value and weight and which ones don't. And then just start experimenting. So I think that getting it out of your head and on paper, if you have too many ideas, is essential. And then just literally start knocking them off the list in the order that you think you're going to enjoy them most. If you have the other kind of art block where you don't feel like you have any valuable ideas, you don't feel like you can create anything and nothing good is coming to you, there are a few more steps that I think can help spur ideas. Um, At least these are ones that have helped me. So the first thing that I would say is to get out of your head and into your body. And this is similar to what I was talking about before soaking in nature, soaking in the physicality of this world. Because if you're an artist with a physical craft, um, you're making something physical. You're not typing spreadsheets all day. You're not sending 
non-tangible emails all day. You're making something real with your hands and you need to get back into your body. And so for me, that's going for a run, working out. I try to sweat, try to get connected with my body again, feeling my heart pumping, racing, soaking in my disgusting sweat, trying to just reconnect to the sensory world brings a lot of ideas, but also can settle settle your mind and spark new ideas. I feel like being physical helps you create physical work. If that doesn't work for you, another suggestion is do something creative that isn't your art. I really enjoy cooking. That's something that I enjoy. I also enjoy cocktails and making delicious things. And so that is an art form as well. So if I'm feeling blocked, I might cook a recipe from scratch. I you know, got into sourdough over the pandemic, so I'm constantly messing with that. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, do something creative that isn't your art. Maybe you play an instrument uh, on the side, you know, plunk around on a piano, do something creative that isn't what you make. Not only can give you so many ideas, but also gets you working physically in something that isn't your art. The third suggestion that I would have is to phone a friend. I feel like for me, it's so easy to get isolated as an artist. We as artists tend to kind of be hermits. We're locked in our studios and we're creating and and making. And sometimes we just need other ideas and human connections. And if you're a full-time artist and you aren't working, you know, with a ton of other coworkers every day, you might not be having the same kind of conversations or understanding or seeing the world the way loved ones or, or others are. And I've had so many good ideas come to me from just chatting with friends on the phone, whether it's an itch in their life that is being not scratched or whether it's an idea for a new painting uh, or series of works. I have you know several friends who like I did a, a short series of works during the pandemic, a little blip of works that were based off of several friends that I have who live in big cities and are single and didn't have anybody in the in the pandemic and you know didn't see anybody, didn't have any human touch for months at a time, and just what a toll that took on them. So I made a series of works based on that because I could understand that. And so I don't know, there, there are so many rich things that you can get from a conversation and can inspire a series or an idea. Um, the fourth thing that I would say, if none of those three things work, is revisit your core values. If you haven't written down why you make what you make and what you're hoping to bring to the world, I would say do that first. But whatever your core values are, mine are seeking peace and light and bringing beauty and a moment of rest into people's lives. That's what I'm trying to do. Um, Revisit your values. What are they? Are you trying to make people smile? Are you trying to get them to move faster? Are you trying to, what are you trying to do with your artwork? And whatever those reasons are, revisiting those core values, revisiting your reasons for making always uh, spurs a new idea in my mind, because there are so many offshoots of our values that can be portrayed in so many different ways. Um, The fifth thing that I would say is you're still blocked. Revisit your previous work. I have so many iterations of previous series that are written down that I want to try. I'm thinking about creating, 
because if you made a series previously or if you made some work previously that you're proud of, revisit that. And I think you'll get new ideas. You can get new ideas of building on your previous work. How could you do it differently? How could you do it better? What other ideas can you explore from your your previous works? The sixth suggestion is try and do the unexpected. Make work that you think you will hate. For me, I really have a hard time working with the color red. And so for me, that would probably be making a painting that's entirely shades of red, doing something that you hate, trying to expand your mind by exercising parts of you that are challenging can bring so many ideas. Um, And then the final thing is, if none of those suggestions work, you are super, super blocked. I don't know how you wouldn't have had any ideas yet, but uh, I would say give it time. If you are pushing, 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 and you are unhappy with all of your ideas and you're unwilling to try any of the ideas that have come, then maybe you need a break. Maybe it's time for rest. Maybe you take however much time you can off from creation, a couple of days, maybe that's a couple of weeks. Maybe you have like an artist residency uh, and, and take some time off to do some study. Give it some time. I think that rest can also bring new ideas and new perspectives. So those are my seven surefire tips for getting over art block if you feel like you don't have any ideas. I love it. I'm going to try to sum up as many as I have here. I might have missed one, but Christine, let's get it out on paper was your first tip and get out of your head and into your body. Go for a run, work out, get connected with your body. I agree with that 100%, whether you're making art or whether an entrepreneur, whatever you have to do with your head. Sometimes we sit at the computer or at the easel or whatever it may be. Sometimes you just have to go and do something that feels like it's not related, but it really is. And phone a friend talk to somebody, reach out, don't be a hermit, bring someone else into the equation, revisit your core values and revisit your previous work. And I believe it was rest, correct? I also had number two was do something creative that isn't your craft. So whether that's cooking a meal or playing an instrument, that was number two. Number six was do the unexpected. And number seven was rest and give it time. Thank you for bringing that back for us, Christine. It's a lot of great information. Everybody, you're going to want to go back to that question specifically, listen to it and take notes on what Christina said, because this is so vital for any creative task, any project that you're working on. It's so important. So Christine, you know, you talk about on your blog about Pinterest, right? And we don't hear a lot about Pinterest. How can artists use Pinterest to cultivate ideas? So I don't use Pinterest to cultivate ideas. I use Pinterest to sell my work. So for me, Pinterest is better than Instagram in terms of return on investment, in terms of getting eyeballs on your work. And it's also, in my experience so far, a much more shopping-centric platform than Instagram is. People go to Pinterest to look for ideas and to then purchase and so the the mental leaps are much different than there are on Instagram. For me, Pinterest is a business tool. It's a way to get, way to drive thousands of eyeballs to my website every week. It's a it's a great business tool for visibility, and has a, a huge ter- return on investment in my experience. So I use Pinterest for business purposes. 
I love it. I created a course on it. I think every artist should be on Pinterest, (laughs) promoting their work, using it as a business tool for me at least, has been um, really life-changing. I really, really advocate for using Pinterest for business. I think that's amazing because, I mean, again, you don't really hear about it too much. I use Pinterest often for gathering ideas, also for sharing ideas. So I think it's a really cool thing to kind of bring into the equation for artists as well. So, Christine, this has been an amazing conversation. Unfortunately, we're kind of getting to the end here. Let's bring it home for our listeners out there. What should our listeners do right now to start revving up their careers in a major way? The most important thing is if you don't know your reasons for creation, if you haven't figured out your core values and the core messages that you're trying to communicate with your art, that's absolutely step number one because everything else is going to be so much easier if you know why you're doing what you're doing and what you're hoping to bring to people's lives. So I think that that's absolutely essential understanding your values, and making sure that you're trying to infuse them into your works. The other thing that I would say is make sure that you are taking time to build the practice that is sustainable for you. So it it might not be sustainable to paint 20 hours a week for you. Maybe you can only paint 10. Do the math of your, your own schedule. What is reasonable? What is fruitful? What areas of your life do you need to edit or rev up in order to see growth? So that would be my second point is uh, do, do some of the math on your own life and what time you have available for your practice. And then I would say, you know, put in the work. All of this is takes time and takes time to build. You need to serve yourself, you know, first. You need to choose your values first and choose what's going to serve your lifestyle first and putting in the work. No one, no one's going to do it for you. And you're the only one who's going to disappoint yourself unless you've mapped out your time, done the math, know why you're doing it and do it in a way that, that brings you joy because it's so easy to start hating a practice. If you either are doing it for the wrong reasons or if your schedule's unbalanced. So put in the work, and, and that's what I would say. Guys, put in the work and know what you need. Great words to live by. And honestly, you know, with art and with marketing and with like your studio practice, I mean, really, it all just comes down to putting in the work and continuing to do so. So I want to thank you for sharing that with us, Christine. To all of you business artists out there, Christine has been here with us today sharing amazing, valuable perspective with you all. Like I said, you're going to want to go back and you're going to want to take notes, especially on those seven tips for getting over art block. That's a lot of like really, really great information. You can listen to this in all of our past episodes on our website at superfine.world. To connect with Christine, you can follow her at Christine Olmstead on Instagram or visit www.christineolmstead.com. As always, remember that we are Super Fine Art Fair on Instagram, and we always appreciate it when you share us whenever you're listening to, enjoying, and benefiting from the Artist Business Plan. We love to see those stories. And we also really appreciate if you take a moment of your time and write a review on Apple Podcasts. Every time you write a review, you help someone else find us and benefit from our and our guests' perspective. As always, I would like to wrap up the class by sharing a quick quote with you all. Art is not what you see, but what you make others see. And that is Edgar Degas. Christine, it has been such a pleasure having you with us today. Thank you for sharing your perspective with our listeners. And for that, we're very grateful to you. Thank you so much for having me, Alex. I appreciate it. 
You're very welcome. And everyone else, have an awesome rest of your day. Remember to stay on top of your artist business plan, get out there and make it happen. Thanks for joining us for another episode of The Artist Business Plan, a weekly business podcast for artist entrepreneurs brought to you by Superfine Art Fair. Hosted by Superfine CEO Alex Mito and co-founder slash professional artist James Milley, join us and leaders in the art, marketing, and business arenas each week for tips, tricks, and value bombs designed to help you thrive and sell more art. For more information on applying to Superfine Art Fair, as well as recordings of this and all of our past podcasts, just visit www.superfine.world. We love to hear what you have to say, so just follow us on Instagram at Superfine Art Fair and shoot us a message to let us know you're listening. Looking for a more personal connection or want to exhibit at an upcoming fair? Just shoot us an email at artistsmakingmoney at superfine.world and we'll get right back to you. That's artistsmakingmoney at superfine.world.